So you guys are the brave ones who are coming back to see hear part two about marriage. So that's good, right? We've, we've been uh, welcome. If you're, if you're just joining us, we're going through like a series of topical stuff. We started with creation, and we kept moving forward to the fall of man and the curse, and then from there, uh, you know, divorce, and it only seemed right on the back end of divorce to talk about marriage as dictated by the scripture. So we're going to continue with that today. And uh, all these topics kind of were birthed out of a suggestion box some months ago. So let me grab this first. Uh, my name is Will. I'm the pastor. If we didn't get to meet each other, hopefully we will before you leave. I'm finding it helpful. And I think that's what I'm praying a lot. I, I long that this would be helpful for you. Because my job, my whole intention up here is to equip and enable you to do the ministry that God's called you to and live the life that he's called you to. And so I've got to speak truth to you. But today we're going to get into lots of you should do this and you shouldn't do this. And whenever we start doing that, inevitably what happens is you feel condemned and you feel uh, belittled, you feel challenged, all these different emotions. We've written this on a board. I didn't because I don't write this pretty, but a friend did. And, uh, and so I want to bring this back to you. Everything that we talk about, we've got to come back to the truth that... Uh, Ultimately, you will fall short of God's standard. And whenever that happens, we've always got to lean on certain things. The grace of God. The fact that, that his favor that we did not earn, right? For some reason, he just seems to be for me, even though I keep going against him. And then his mercy, which is where grace gives you what you don't deserve, mercy doesn't give you what you do deserve. Because when talking about marriage, I would say every one of us have brought enough mistakes into the marriage where our spouse should have said, I'm done, in terms of our culture, right? And some do. But all of us, we can't point our finger at someone who is divorced because we've probably warranted and, and with the, the culmination of all our activities, it, it, we're hard to live with. Uh, and then from that, we need the forgiveness of God, which he gives to you, he gives to your spouse, and then you're supposed to give that same forgiveness to each other, okay? Finally, it's his love, right, that does all of that. And his love leads to life. So we're going to come back to that, okay, when we need to. Uh, let me pray, and then we'll dig right in. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your truth and your word. Be with us, Lord. Teach us. Guide us. I know that today will be lots of reminders and probably not too many earth-shattering new things but we need that reminder, Lord, and I pray that that reminder would be just the nugget the Holy Spirit needs in the mind and the heart of the men and women here to do his work. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that we our flesh are forcing it and be in your presence and follow your guidance and instruction. So be in this place, Holy Spirit, and do the thing that you do which is most important, which is fill us with the power of God to believe and to follow our, our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Let me start with this. I decided to throw a big word at you, at you because it's fun, right? But I'll define it too. So there's a word, presuppositions, I wrote up there. And one definition could be this, something that's assumed in advance or taken for granted. Does that make sense? I'm assuming that, that we all agree to these terms. So I wanna tell you some things because we talked last week about marriage in general, and then we went to the men first. Today, I'd like to address singleness, the women's roles, 
and then bring it all back together. Fair enough? So here's the, here's the assumptions I'm making, the presumptions I'm making. First of all, marriage is good. God said that. However, it's difficult, and this is why. Because the whole point of something that it's doing, here, let me pause there. From what we see in the scripture, it makes it sound like this tradition of marriage wouldn't continue when the new heaven and earth come. That's our interpretation. We might be wrong. So how could this be good, but not survive when the fire comes and gets rid of all the junk? Well, because ultimately what we're doing is we're being trained. Our, our, our wedding, it's all symbolic. Our marriages, it's all training. It's all metaphorical for Christ's love for the church. So ultimately marriage is good, but it's difficult because it challenges our selfishness and demands us to give up ourselves for the good of another. And if, you're, if God's giving you kids, then you multiply that, right? You've got to give yourself up more and more for every kid that you have. And it's just right and good, but not easy. Fair enough? Anyone like, oh, that's, marriage is the easiest thing ever. Well, what are you talking about? Not always. Right? Not always. Yeah. You nailed it. Good job. Uh, it's like a taste of what Jesus did for us. Now, here's a second assumption. The purpose of life is not to make yourself happy. And you might say, duh, but you've got to understand, this is one of the curses. I mean, God bless America, but gosh dang America, because one of the tenets in America is I'm supposed to pursue my happiness. That is so opposite to what the scriptures say and what God said. But we're stuck in that ideal, and if you want to be happy, don't get married. If you want to be happy all the time, right, don't get married. There's, there's, there's mountaintop experiences and then the valleys of the shadow of death. And all that happens in a single marriage, okay? In a single week, sometimes a single day. The point of this is not to make you happy. The point of your life is not to make you happy. You're never thin enough, pretty enough, tall enough, rich enough, smart enough. You were too young, you went to sleep one night, you woke up, now you're too old. It's a fact, it's a fact. Next thing. Life is not always easy. It'll often not go... You can almost say always, but I'll just be conservative and say it will often not go as you planned or hoped. Sorry, guys. You know? It's not going to go like you planned. Uh, it's not going to go like you planned. It's probably not going to go like you planned. I thought I was going to be a hair model, right? And it just did not work out, man. I don't know. So much, you know? Yeah. Oh, well. I wanted to have a beard. It never quite came in. It was like weird peach fuzz until it turned gray. And now it kind of comes in. So you're just like, I don't know. Right? You just don't win. It's not like you plan. However, even though you're surprised, God's not surprised. And that you can rest on. Right? If he didn't cause it to happen, he allowed it to happen. Why am I in this spot? I don't know. But you know that God is with you. And he, this is not taking him by off guard, okay? Next, next assumption, the Holy Spirit's power working in us helps us react and live in the face of these struggles and disappointments. Okay, how do we react? How do we live? I mean, that's what makes up your life, not what happens to you, but more so how you respond to what happens to you. Next assumption, God is growing us in marriage and in singleness. Part of this is he is growing us because this is not all in vain. For the one who believes and who's trying to follow Jesus and practicing righteousness, 
This is building for an eternal future. And it starts now, and it matters. Like, I don't know how that's going to work, but, but Tyler's my son that has to have some importance, right, even after this life. I don't know why he's my son, right, and JT's not. God knows. And when we get to heaven, well, how will that be different? I don't know. But something matters about what's happening in this life. Bill is my dad, right? Derek is not. Mystery. I, I can't tell you, but it matters and right now matters, okay? So now let's go to what Jesus is saying. Jesus got, just got done talking about divorce and the people got wide eyes and angry like you probably would have if I was talking to you about divorce today. And ultimately they're like, what? Like I can't get divorced for just any reason? I can't just send away my wife if she starts driving me crazy? This is for life? Well, this is rough. Matthew 19, if you're following along there. Verses 10 through 12. And the disciples, in response to what Jesus said, said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it's better not to marry. Right? Like, holy cow, what? If they would have told me this? And Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it's been given. And that, that creates some mystery for me. I wonder, what is... What is the word that they can't accept? You know, about singleness? Yeah, I, I think it is. It's, they can't accept the gift of singleness unless it's been given to them. Okay, tell me more about that, Jesus. Verse 12. For there are eunuchs. What are eunuchs? Um, um, right, okay. So in the ancient world, they understood about sexual temptation. So there was people, like let's say you were a king and you had a beautiful queen. You needed people to help her get dressed. You didn't want just any Joe on the street with all of his, uh, you know, hormones and desires getting your wife dressed, right? So there are people in certain services that they would emasculate, like medically, so that they would not be tempted into sexual immorality. So what he's saying is some people were born like without wanting that great desire for sex. And then there are eunuchs who've been made eunuchs by others. So, you know... Others emasculated them, physically did a thing. They had a surgery, whatever it was. And then, there's, and then there are those who choose to live like eunuchs. So these are the people who've got everything going on. All the anatomy, all the hormones, all the desire. However, they are choosing to abstain from sexual intercourse and activity. And there's those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of Now, in a literal sense, that means, okay, I'm going to go spend my life in the service of God. Now, allow me to use a little liberty in, in applying that. What I would tell you is I really believe strongly where we're wrong in the church is that I'm like this professional minister, and you guys only get ministered to by me. Way wrong. Not what God planned. Each one of you are called out by God if you become a follower of him to minister to those around you. So service of God is a lot of different things. I mean, if you got a one-year-old, service of God is like changing diapers, right? And making baby food. Do you see that? Service of God can be the job that he has you in. Service of God can be what you do in your community. Service of God could be how you treat your spouse because all of these things promote, perpetuate, and grow the kingdom of God. Do you see that? 
So that's kind of interesting. There's this concept you understand. If you're to be single, and now we're kind of talking to those who are single, whether you're single for a time, because of circumstance, or because you're, you know, in high school or middle school, and we won't let you get married yet, that's a good thing, okay? Or you're like, man, you know what? I had a divorce. I've had a spouse pass away. Or I've never been married, and I just feel like this is what God has for me for now till the rest of my days. Apparently, according to Jesus, and I'm not calling him a liar, not everyone can do it in a holy and righteous way. But I would tell you everyone could do it for a time. Like, like, yeah, when you're in high school, you've got to abstain from sexual behavior before you're married. I can tell you and other people can tell you the pitfalls that come from that. And if you've been divorced, but you're like, you're longing for companionship and you're waiting for God to provide someone to you. I mean, there's a, there's a holy and righteous way to do that too. We're not going to get into all those details this time. This is kind of a, a flyover, okay? Well, Jesus said that. Now, Paul wrote a letter to the Christians at Corinth. And this is, we find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Verse 8 says this, To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it's good for them to remain single as I am. Okay. Who feels shamed for being single in the church? Everyone who's single, right? Well, hey, you want me to introduce you to a nice guy? Like every single person in the church tells me that. Want me to introduce you to a nice girl? They think it's like the plague if you're not married. Well, Paul turns that on his head and is like, you don't get it, man. That's awesome if you can be single like I am. Verse 9, but then he sets this caveat there. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. If any of you have been into marriage counseling or providing marriage counseling, there's a lot of best practices and what I would call discipleship in that. And some of it's good, but I don't want to lean on that today. I want to go strictly with what, what's written to the best of the ability and try to apply it to modern days, but I don't want to get into best practices. That's for another time. But basically what they're saying is singleness is good if you can avoid burning with lust for the opposite sex. That's, that's the truth. If we keep going in 1 Corinthians, same letter, chapter 7, verses 32 and 35, let me give you some more. I'm going to give you tons of scripture. So if you're not on the email list, you might want to get that because Josh has been preparing like a sermon in a nutshell. So you can get back to this PowerPoint slide. You can get back to these notes and actually get in your own Bible and read this and make sure I'm not just telling you a story, okay? So Paul writes this. In verse 32, I want you to be free from anxieties. That'd be great. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about the worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about the worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay a restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Okay. You can see I highlighted here. Understand this. If you are married, if you're married where you're sitting there, you have divided interests. It's just a fact. It's not romantic. It's never going to show up in a Hollywood movie, but your interests are divided because you have a priority 
to that ministry towards your spouse. And then if you have kids, you have a priority also to ministry to those kids. You guys tracking with me still? Okay. I know it's warm and yeehaw, okay? So I am married with kids. I am a divided man. Will, can you come over for dinner? Good luck. Trying to get, I'm a very divided man right now. This kid's at dance. This kid drive to college, right? Then try to talk to my wife at some point in time, prepare a sermon, go to the hospital. I'm a divided man. But God knows me, okay? You wouldn't want unmarried Will. It wouldn't be a good thing. He knows that. He's given me a wife. And it's a challenge. And it's the best and worst things, sometimes in the same day. However, he knows me. He loves me. He did not give that to me for this phase in my life for singleness. That might be my future. I don't know but not right now. But I am anxious about a lot of things, not just things of the Lord. And you can feel the same way. Wives, same thing. I mean, just the headache of what's for dinner every dang night, I mean, for whether you're a husband or a wife. Oh, jeez. Most women that I talk to by the age of 60, they're like, I just want popcorn. I'm so tired of making dinner. Right? Right? Okay. Singleness. Let, let me hit this for you. That might be another sermon a whole other day, but I don't want to leave you out because I honor this, and I think it's really powerful to be that way if you can. And those of us who become unexpectedly single need you to show us how to do this in the holy right way or to share your struggles in doing that. But here's a summary of what we read. Undivided interest. That's the best thing. You can eat popcorn for dinner. Woo! All right? Not like seven kids and each one hates one thing, so pretty soon you're like, I guess it's chicken nuggets again, right? Like it's, right? Or this is your night not to starve so that your other five siblings can eat. So first of all, undivided interests uh, require self-control not to be consumed with sexual passion. So you've got to have self-control. And if you can't, according to Paul, it's better to marry than to burn with passion. And then Jesus said, not everyone's been given the gift to live powerfully in that single way. And I know some of you guys, that comes back to it's a struggle. Like, I'm single and I'm burning with passion. That's a struggle. I am sorry. Like, in Will's language, and that might not be the right word, that sucks. Okay, that's what I would tell you. That really sucks. And that's something to struggle with, to pray with, to try to get that, and pray that God would provide to you a mate. Because according to Paul, it would be better that you find someone to partner with and work this out. And if not, you're like, I think I'm good. Now then there's the ones of you who are married who are like, now that I know myself better, I think I'm good, but I'm married. Sorry, it's called ministry. You might not be able to have popcorn for dinner tonight. Sometimes you might got to give your husband a little sugar, you know? It's just, it's what it's going to happen. So deal with it. Life is not easy, okay? You can't like, oh, I'm undoing that. I decided actually it was given to me to be single. It doesn't work. Now, husbands, let me, let me, I don't want to let you off the hook, okay? First of all, you're not the Holy Spirit, so when we talk about women things, don't say, see, honey, I told you, right? Don't use this today when you go home to beat up your wife. That's not the point. Let me bring you back to, to what you have to do. The first point was you have to give yourself up for her. That's hard. That's not fun. Be, and then when you do that, don't get bitter about it. 
right? Don't get bitter about it. Then be understanding with her. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on inside the woman's mind, hormones, body, part of the curse, part of biology, part of roles, gender roles, not jelly rolls, but those two. And when she falls, don't be like, I can't believe you fell. Pick her up, Ecclesiastes said. It's better that it's not just one because one, when one gets cold, the other one can keep them warm. When, when one falls, the other one's there to pick them up. When someone comes to attack, you've got two rather than one. This is good. But when our wives or our husbands get attacked or they fall, then you're like, what an idiot. I can't believe you did that to me. Well, they're on the ground. Pick them up. And then finally, meet the physical and sexual needs of your wife. After all, if she didn't have any physical or sexual needs, she should just be single. It might not look like yours, but she does have physical, sexual, emotional companionship needs. Okay. Now let's turn the page. Wives. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. This is invigorating. Okay. Ephesians 5. Another letter from Paul to Christians. So it applies. This is like a church gathering this letter came to. So it applies. Church gathering people came to. Wives, verse 22. Submit to your own husbands. I know we lost it. I lost you guys on that one. You've heard that. They beat you over the head with it. But it doesn't make it less true. Now here's the small print. Here's a beautiful thing about our time and place. Your husband, who has to take some authority and lead you, he has the potential to really blow it. As a matter of fact, guarantee he's going to blow it, but he has the potential to blow it in a big way. I'm talking about like physically abusing you. And everyone wants to talk about that with divorce. Well, my husband physically abuses me. Can I get a divorce? That's not what the Bible says, but you know what you could do? Get his butt arrested. Isn't that a beautiful thing about the time and place you're in? Those cops would love to come help you out, I'm sure. Right? Or, I'm not divorcing you, but I'm not going to live with you and let you beat me up. So if we can go get help, right? Then you've got husbands who cheat and leave. What can you do? What can you do? Or they cheat and don't leave. You can set boundaries. Like, I'm not going to be with you in that way if you keep cheating on me. Do you see this? Like we want to go right to divorce, but Jesus is saying this is going to be a hard road. We're talking Rocky Balboa, round 11, like you know, barely can talk. I think that's why at the end everyone sees God and they fall to their face. I jokingly say that because you're just so exhausted from all this crap. Oh, geez, I've had enough. I'm glad I'm home, Lord. Like I'm tired, right? That's going to be a little bit of, of what happens at times. So please understand there's abuse to the submission and there's ways in which to handle that. And those are kind of one-offs from a sermon. That's where you need good counsel. You need good help. Sometimes, now, when, you're, when your husband uh, is getting passive or your husband's a little chubbier than you like or, or your husband, you know, um, he doesn't have the career you hoped he would have, those aren't reasons not to submit to his leadership. And that's difficult to stomach. Okay, let me continue to read. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Not other people's husbands, your own husband. As to the Lord. This is why this is difficult, because ultimately our God is so small in our own minds that we don't think he can take care of these things. 
when this is all said and done, I, it, you're going to really be glad you were the wife. I mean, right now, you've got a harder road of it in a lot of ways. I mean, having those babies, hormones, putting up with guys. It's, it's nice to be a guy high five at times, right? Not in the day of judgment. Not when we go to heaven, we realize what we've done. Right? Because the decisions that I make affect my wife and kids. and I'm accountable for it. She's not. She's accountable for loving me and supporting me as if I was Jesus himself. Uh, I'm not going to be able to do that. Okay. Just breathe. Kind of, but we'll... So when that happens, now we're going to get into stuff that you're not going to get a thousand, you're not going to bat a thousand, you're not going to get a hundred percent of the time. And when you don't, you really, really have to lean on the grace and love and forgiveness of God. And his call to your husband to offer you grace, love, and, and forgiveness. Do you see that? Why? Because us husbands desperately need grace, love, and forgiveness. It's like back to kindergarten. Don't steal their toy, Billy. Would you like it if he stole your... No, I wouldn't. Then don't steal his toy, right? Will, show Brandy grace, mercy, and forgiveness. But God, do you want me to show you grace, mercy, and forgiveness? Yes. Do you want Brandy to show you grace, mercy, and forgiveness? Yes. So show it to her. You are not their Holy Spirit. They are not your Holy Spirit. Retire from that. Resign from that. So wives, if I'm talking to you, you've got to take this seriously. We've got to take an attitude of practicing these things, okay? If you want to follow God, if you don't, good luck, okay? And we'll just talk about it again in like six months or a year, and they'll do this the rest of your life because there's an order to things, and it's gotten so perverse and confused and, and mangled that we're lost. So we've got to come back, right? We've got to come back to this truth. Submit to your husbands as if the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body, and is himself its savior. Now the church, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit in everything to your husbands. It's difficult to navigate this. And impossible for me to do a good job preaching it. But I got to present it to you, and you'll see every time we look at it. You'll see this in all the verses. The men, there's all this detail. And the women, it's like, submit. Hey guys, da 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 da, wives, submit. Hey, guys, like Paul does it, Peter does it, Jesus. Okay, repetitive pattern. Should get our attention here. But let me give you, let me give you a, a different way of going into this than maybe we normally go. We just got done talking about the curse. If you weren't here, um, basically what I'm saying is I'm using the curse to describe the consequence of sin in the lives of men and women. Once they were cast out, from the garden with Adam and Eve. God pronounced certain curses, right? On men, on women, on the serpent, on all of creation. And we're living in that. So we talked about that. That sermon's online if you want to see that, hear it. But get this. For the woman, on the back end of sin, this is some of the things that God said. Her desire will be for her husband. The meaning is her desire will be to direct and control her husband. Any of you have examined this, do you feel that pull? To control your environment, to direct? But God said, but he will rule over you. So then would you be surprised that God's saying, okay, 
you're going to have to submit to them and it's going to be difficult because of this. Because what you're going to want to do is lead. And what he's going to want to do is because of, you know, fear, uh, passivity, the love of your womanly wiles, he'll want to just fall back. Or he'll try to be controlling and abusive in that. It's really hard to find that middle ground where you lead from love and you step out in front of without dictating. But no doubt, on the back end of the curse, it's going to be hard to submit. It is. And then the other thing, think about this for women. Childbearing, child-rearing, like everything, man, the, a period, right? Menopause, premenopause, puberty, hormones, hormone replacement. Oh, you don't have enough estrogen. Okay, you got too much estrogen. Oh, wait, I got hair on my back now, right? Oh, no, right? Like, you know, all this stuff, there's insanity chemically going on in your body, and it all comes from that curse. Does it make sense that you sometimes don't want to put up with your husband's crap? Does it make sense that you're having a bad day? And you don't want him to touch you. Yeah. And then child producing, rearing, raising them. Have a teenager, have a five-year-old, have a one-year-old, have a 20-year-old, right, that you still want a parent, but they're adults. What if, your parent, what if your kids choose things that you don't like? I mean, all of that. Don't you think that affects you and your wife just being, oh, yeah, we're just so happy today? Yes, yes. There's opposition to you submitting to your husband. And husbands, there's opposition to you leading. So with all grace and mercy, I know this is not easy, but it's true. And we have to take on that attitude of practice and institute this thing in our homes, in our households, in our churches. Check this out, Ephesians 5, where we just read. These are the verses leading up to submit to your own husband. Okay, verse 20. Giving thanks always, Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence, the word really means fear, for Christ. And then it goes on to say, submit to your own husbands. Do you see that? You can submit because you fear and respect God and because you're grateful for what God does. But what about my husband? It doesn't matter really. It really does. I mean, it it affects you, but there's not like a clause that says my husband's a knucklehead so I don't have to obey. No. I've got to follow his leadership. He's the one that's accountable. And I have to trust God. And that's the mind-blowing thing. I'm telling this to you, but I can't get this myself. I mean, do you get this? When you die, it's you alone. You and God, you return to that. Whether your marriage was like really rich or really awful, like, then it, I mean, I can't say it doesn't matter because that was was rough or wonderful, but really that's over now. Now it's you and the Lord back together. So, man, if you made no money or lots of money, if you were powerful or powerless, if you were abused or blessed, if you, right, were married or single, like ultimately all of this is an exercise in saying, God, you're God, I'm not. I love you so much, I fear you so much, and I'm so grateful to you that I'm going to do this hard thing. And so submitting to one another, in a way, mutual submission between husband and wife. To the woman, it says, submit to your husband, your own husband. And the husband, it says, give yourself up for your wife. And what, what it is is they mean the same thing. Not me, but you. Your needs. 
Not me, but you. And then in, a, in an hour after I get home and I blow it, then I'm going to have to come back to this. But I'm going to get practicing again. Like I always go back to baseball, right? Because I love baseball. But man, if, I always think if I could hit the ball half the time as a baseball player, I'd be in the Hall of Fame. So that makes me feel a whole lot better about trying this. Like, oh, geez, well, you blew it five times today. Well, I hit it three times. I'm feeling pretty good about that, right? Like, we'll wake up tomorrow and we'll try it again. We'll practice, we'll practice, we'll practice. We'll ask the Holy Spirit to give me the power to get it 10 out of 10 times if I can. But if not, back to his grace, back to his mercy, and I sure hope he has her approach me with the same grace and mercy. Oh, well, I don't know, maybe Paul and Jesus were having a bad day, Josh. Okay, Peter, right? Peter says what he thinks. He says this, 1 Peter, verse 3. I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 1. 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, wives, okay, something new. Tell me something cool that I like better. No. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husband. Does that sound better? Be subject to your own. Does that make you feel better to tell you, like, I could do that subject to I don't know. So that even if some do not obey the word, what's that mean? Tell me. What's that mean if some do not obey the word? Okay. Cheaters, okay. Right. Because the word there, we, we make the word the Bible, but the reason why we call it that is it's actually the written down verbal words of God. But the word here is actually the words, the, the spoken word. That's the word. So what, he's, what she's, he's saying is like, listen, wives, you become subject to your own husbands. So even if your husband's not listening to God, his instruction, even if he's not holding up his end of the bargain, that doesn't get you out of submitting to your husband. And he says one of the beautiful things about that is even if he's not paying attention to the word, that he may be won over without a word, solely by the conduct of his wife. See, what ends up happening is a lot of households, right, you, the wife will use a lot of words and very little conduct to try to manipulate her husband to go where she wants him to go. And then it, what ends up happening when you get attacked, you get defensive. And it gets in the way of the work that God wants to do. So what, and I've seen this time and time again in practice. I've lived this at times myself, getting defensive. So what he's saying here is like, listen, being a believer, listening to God, taking up his end of the bargain, that's not for you to judge. You, because of your love for God, will be subject to your own husband. And in that, over the long term, because God is so patient and faithful that your actions and your love might win him over. How easy is that? That is not easy. That is not easy at all. I mean, some of you guys have been praying for like somebody decades that you love. Maybe a husband, a wife. That's hard. This is not easy. Verse 3. And then it goes on to say this, right? Interesting enough. Do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning, adorning be the hidden person of the heart 
with the imperishable, imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. What does that mean, Will? Well, you look at kind of the language there, and what, what they're saying is, obviously this is from experience. Any of you girls feel pressure to be beautiful? Yeah? You feel pressure to look a certain way, dress a certain way, hair, makeup, jewelry? There, there's that pressure out there. And from what I understand from talking with women and observing it, there's a great competition in that way amongst women. There's comparison. Men, we compete for prowess. Women, they compare. We got these evil things called social media, which everyone and their kids are always on vacation and really happy, and your kids are yelling at you, right? And she's always beautiful and made up and has like a thousand different sweater dresses that she can wear and loves pumpkin spice everything. And you, your hair is all over the place. And yeah, right? Okay. He's saying, not that you can't look pretty, but the point is, don't focus all your energy. Don't let your adorning be solely external. Okay? What's more important, what's more beautiful, what's more precious as you submit to your husband is actually what's going on inside of you. But let your adorning, like if you want to invest in that, you know, maybe it's not the Botox you need, maybe it's like, time with the Lord to fill you up on the inside. Brandy and I joke with that. She's like, yeah, gentle and quiet spirit. Gentle and quiet. Like, like, yeah, you want to, like, Lord, help me be a gentle and quiet spirit, right? We kind of will joke around about that. Like, okay, just breathe. Because I know that's what I want to adorn myself with. I'm not saying, well, don't ever wear makeup. No, I'm saying what's more important is that. So wait a second, Will. What you're doing is you're saying, according to the scriptures, Paul, Peter, and Jesus, what they're saying is, as a woman, as a wife, one of the most important things I can do is be subject to my own husband and follow him, his leadership, and actually let him step out ahead. I mean, help him, encourage him, but not to lead myself, not to take over, not to emasculate him. And then, and then actually, it's not even about all the things I do on the outside, but somehow being this quiet and gentle, loving wife. That's what God's asking me. Yeah. Yeah. Verse 5, he compares it, right? Which, which helps. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. I love that. That's my favorite little section of all the scriptures I'll share with you tonight. Somehow, they liken that. Okay, so Sarah, when she submitted to her husband and she went his way, it was working well. But then she had this idea, right? Well, maybe God was saying, this baby he promised us isn't going to come from us naturally. So I've got this, this servant girl, this slave girl. She's younger. She can probably get pregnant. Why don't you marry her, have a kid with her, and we'll take it. It'll be ours. And of course, he's a guy. He's like, yes, okay, so does that, goes really wrong. We're still bombing each other about this stuff now. So that did not go right, okay? But they're liking it to Sarah. and They're saying that following your husband is actually frightening. <laughs> I'm sure that's like that for Brandy sometimes, right? To, okay, we're going to do this. Oh, geez, I'm, this is frightening. Tired. And tired, yeah. So I love that. How real is that? Like anything that's frightening, like... I mean, to be like, okay, 
husband, I love you. I'm going to go with it. Like, you've heard my opinion. I'm going to go with it. Or, yeah, I'll, I'll step back and let you leave. Like, my wife talks to me about sometimes it's like with the kids stuff. You get home from work to do the discipline, and then she's like, I'm going to let Will do it. But then she'll actually literally have to be like, go in the other room. She's like, I got to go in the other room because if I see how you do it, I'm going to try to critique and, and get you to do it my way. That's the practicing, you see? That's the practicing. That's good. That's good. And then I get to practice stepping out and being a man, right? And stop being a coward. But hard to do. Well, I think when I converted this, it, it got rid of the first Corinthians 7. I'm going to have to fix that later, Josh. But Now, this is the, part, the other part that it talks about for women. Um, now, concerning the matters in which you wrote, it's good for a man not to have sexual relationships with a woman. Relations with a woman. So we talked about that last week, too. We talked about that earlier. But because of the temptation of sexual morality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. That's 1 Corinthians 7, a letter from Paul to the church at Corinth. And I know that this is, and it's hard for me as a man to say this to a bunch of women because I know that, you know, normally we have different sex drives, men and women, for biological reasons. And, and there's, there's differences, there's exceptions to that. That's why, men, you cannot withhold all the physical things your wife needs. Sex, like affection, whatever it is that she needs. And I can't tell you what that is. Okay? But wives, you can't withhold those type of physical activities from your husband. Because the picture that's being painted here, guys, as much as like we want to say, well, yeah, marriage is this. Ultimately, marriage is to make us holy, make us more like God, and to grow us and challenge us. And one of the benefits of it is we're not alone, so all the working together is great. Being a helpmate is great. But the other thing is, because God activated and created us in a sexual way, what we found out is a lot of this has to do with nerve endings and your thoughts. And so there's people that are involved sexually with things that aren't human, with the same sex, with the opposite sex that they don't love, Right? animals, machines, like all of that stuff can happen. Why? Because you have biological reactions and responses and nerve endings. And along with that, you have these hormonal drives. And along with that, you have, you know, a woman gets to a certain age. I see my teenage daughter and, and she starts to melt when she sees a baby. There's something going on there, right? I see the teenage boys, they start to melt when they see a teenage girl, okay? This happens, right? And you get my age and you're like, that's just weird because that girl was like 12 and now she's a woman. And that's weird too, right? So you have all these weird things happening. Ultimately, one of the beautiful things about marriage, because if this wasn't the case, we'd be better single, is to fulfill the sexual needs in a righteous way. And that doesn't give your husband any excuse to try to um, get sexual needs met in an unrighteous way. But understand, women, one of the things, one of the most important things and purposes of this marriage is your husband would be better off single to build a kingdom for God and help the world. But he'd get all poison in his head 
be that crazy. And so it's good that each man has his wife because they make mini skirts and like yoga pants and like you want to buy a toothbrush and they try to use sex to sell that, a car. They try to use sex to sell that. A murder mystery, they might as well throw a few naked girls in there or like a teenage comedy, naked girls in there. They know, they know that there's that animal part of us that we have a hard time getting past. And one of the beautiful things in, in marriage, and then for the women it can be that same way, but there's this emotional connection too. And that's probably for another talk. But just to know that according to the scripture, this is important. Meeting the physical needs of one another. And I know, man, there's abuse, there's fallenness, there's, there's medical issues that get in the way of this. But what's really important is you, you have a special role in putting your spouse ahead of yourself to help them in this area. Okay. Breathe. We've got to come back to this. Well, how much does that mean I can't deprive them? Is that like how many times a week or what day? We're not getting into that. That's not even what that says. It's like you should know one another. And some of your husbands might be different than others. And some of your wives might be different than others. Sometimes the husband, sometimes the wife might be more sexually driven than the husband. Nothing wrong with that. But know that with each other. Help each other. Keep each other out of the temptation towards immorality and sexual sin. Like I think about that in marriage too. I wish I could do that better, you know. Because the kids, like the culture says, if you want better sex, you go outside of marriage for that. That's the message, whether you want to admit it or not. I mean, even, even most men, it's like, kind of like that new, try something different and new. Why? Because we don't do this together. Like, we don't make our kids sick with their like, oh, mom and dad again. Right? I mean, you don't want that to happen, but that way when your kids get the butterflies going, they're like, I know how to make that, how to scratch that itch, get married. That is not what teenage kids say. I better scratch that itch before I get married because once that happens, we're just going to hate each other all the time, right? That's what they're seeing, and that's a shame, right? It's a shame, man. Shame on me for playing party to that. So I want to start practicing that. One, I want my wife to meet my conjugal needs. I want to meet hers, but then guess what else is more powerful? I want to give myself up for her. That tonight, even though I have a conjugal need, I'm not lording over her about that. I'm giving myself up for her. I've got no excuse to go somewhere else, to lust, to pornography, to cheat on her. No. I don't have any excuse for that. I'm called to give myself up for her. And on some of those nights, her, when she's practiced, she's going to say, I feel like a, a thousand other things I'd rather do, but right now, I'm, I'm going to submit to my husband's needs and love him. Practice. Colossians 3. Uh, they believe Paul again, right, to another church. Put on then, verse 12, Colossians 3, verse 12, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. This is where it starts to get how we interact with each other. You see this? We put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. 
so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, teaching and admonishing one another, verse 16, in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God, right? We're thankful to God. And whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then it goes on to say, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, your wives, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Do you see that? It's in the context of how we deal with each other. And, and for some reason, we've disconnected that, I think, because our sermons, we just take out the wives thing and we forget that even though Josh and I, right, we don't live in the same house, we're both male, we're not married, we both have wives, I've got to treat him with that kind of compassionate heart, but I should offer Brandy, man, even more grace and mercy and forgiveness instead of less than I offer Josh. But the standard's still the same. Because of my gratefulness to God, I give myself up. Right? Like, it almost should be like this, like tonight, right? If, if, you're, if you're the stereotypical marriage, right? The husband wants more physical activity than the wife. It almost should look like this. The husband's like putting more layers of clothes on, like, I'm good, babe. And she's like taking it off because she says, no, I, I love you too. And they're like outdoing one another and loving one another, right? Right? And, and so that is kind of, if we were both hitting a thousand, that's what it would look like. They'll communicate and decide together which way to go that day. I like Chinese food. It's no different. I like Chinese food. You like Mexican food. Okay. We're going to eat Mexican food this day, Chinese food the next day. Right? It's, it's, it's hard to put it like that, but practicing it is a lot like that. So wives, in summary, right? Submit to your own husbands. That's some of the instruction from the scripture. Wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they'll be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. And wives, you should give to your husband his conjugal rights and you should adorn yourself, focus your efforts on the imperishable beauty within of a gentle and quiet spirit. Well, that's easy. We got it now, right? Everyone good? Sin, selfishness, his selfishness, your kid's selfishness, if you work, your boss's selfishness, the fallen nature of men, the fallen nature of women, the fallen nature of your bodies, the environment around you. Even orange juice gives you cancer now, I guess, right? So it's just, it's ridiculous. So we keep practicing, we keep coming before the Lord. So here's how I want to end that, end this. We have the marriage study that's been going through. I know you guys are talking about issues like this. I see in future days we might dig into more practical steps. This is not very practical other than just to set the foundation to say, please understand what you're called to do is going to go right in the face of the enemy, right in the face of, of all of our um, kind of uh, normal behaviors outside of the fall. It's going to be very selfless, and so it's going to be a struggle but the great thing about it is it's not your effort that's going to get you through. Unlike baseball, where that metaphor falls apart, is it's really on you to see the ball and hit the ball. But not in this, man. We have the power of God himself in us. 
to give us strength, to give us power, to speak to us, to remind us, ooh, you know what? Maybe I should go this way today for my wife. Maybe I should go this way for my husband. I mean, you could be at lunchtime like, you know what I should do? Buy my wife flowers. Right? You know what I should do? Light some candles for my husband. Right? That stuff could happen throughout the day. And don't believe the Holy Spirit wouldn't do that because he would. So I think us, more than anything, if we want to be better husbands and wives, we've got to be better Christians. Better sons and daughters of God. More filled with the Spirit. More walking in step with God more investing on the inside of us than the outside. And that's not easy to do. So two things we're going to do that are going to get kind of practical. Hey, praise team, would you guys come on back up? Okay. You know, so I might be batting zero, zero, one, right? Like maybe like 1% of the time. I'm making contact with what I'm aiming for. Uh, and you might be in the same boat, but we can't deny what's true. We can't deny the standard that God set for us. Okay? Corey, what do we do, man, when we don't meet the standard God set for us? What do we do? Fall on our knees? Yeah. Paul talks about that in the letter to the Romans. Roman Christians, uh, 3, 23 and 24, Romans 3, 23 and 24. For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. I get it. I live it. You're not always going to be selfish. You're going to get defensive. You're going to get selfish. You're going to get angry. You're going to get lonely. You're going to fall short of God's glorious standard, as Paul puts it. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. Well, how do you do that? I don't know, Chris, how do you do that? It says He did that through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. So first thing, what I, what I want to lead you guys in prayer. And in that prayer, let me be really exact. What I want to say is, I just want to, if you agree with me, you can join with me in that prayer. I want to throw myself at the feet of Jesus, like you said, Corey, and just say, man, when it comes to being a husband, and maybe for you, it could be when it comes to being a wife, or when it comes to being single, if that's where you're at right now, I'm often missing your standards. So I'm throwing myself at your feet because what I need actually is I need your grace and forgiveness to touch me here where I'm failing to forgive me and wipe me clean. And if this is all foreign to you, would you come see me if you're like, yeah, I don't know about God's forgiveness. You want to know more about it? Come see me when we're quiet, when we're praying. And I'd love to talk to you about it because this is something for the sons and daughters of God, those who have been adopted into his family, who've accepted Jesus' gift, right, of salvation and forgiveness of sins. And so once you've done that, though, we can, this is a beautiful thing about it. We can say, man, I blow it as a husband a lot. Linda, I do. So I got to throw myself before Jesus and say, I want to I follow in your ways. 
forgive me and then fill me with you so that I can go home today and practice being a husband like my wife needs to give myself up for her. And for the wife, it's going to be the same thing. Lord, I'm not being a wife that I want to be. When I go home today, please help me. Forgive me. Make me new in your sight and give me the power and the strength to submit to my husband and to love him in the way that he needs to be loved too. Does that make sense? Okay, because this can get overly complicated. And then on the end of that, I want to segue into something else. And I want to invite you to do something. If you're here with a spouse that's yours, okay, go touch them with your hands. Okay, keep this appropriate. This kid's here. Touch them with your hands. Like, like try maybe something. Lay, lay your hands on their shoulders. Pray for them. Pray for them. That God would would continue to work in them through the Holy Spirit. They'd be filled with the Holy Spirit and that he'd teach them to grow in being a wife or a husband, depending on who you're touching, okay? Do that. And then switch. If you're the wife, okay, Jay and Cheryl, pick on you guys. So Jay, you start. Men start, okay? Lead, Let's try, we'll practice that. The men start, boom, hands on her. Pray, Lord, bless my wife. Thank you for her. Please fill her with your spirit and help her just to grow into the woman, the wife, the mother that you want her to be. And help me to support her, love her. Something like that, right? And then Shar's turn. Boom. Jay. Lord, be with Jay. Help, help him. Make sense? Okay. Now, if you're not married, and, you see, and someone around you sees that, ask them, okay? Because this is going to be a little more awkward. See if you can touch them with your hand, like on the shoulder, on the back. Pray for them, that God would help them, whether they're married. You can ask them, hey, are you married? And you can pray for them as a wife if they're married and their husband's not here, or a husband, if their wife is not here. If they're single, pray for their singleness. And if no one's around you to pray, pray for yourself. Lord, help me. Is that too much? Let's, let's be doers of the word and not just hearers. So I want to do that. We're not going to do it on our own, so we need God's help. Okay? So I'm going to start with just kind of laying this before God. I'm going to ask him for that time. These guys are going to play just musically for a while and give us, give us some time to get through this prayer, okay? Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for your truth. And it's so difficult sometimes and so hard. So Lord, we, we throw ourselves at your feet because we just know that the standard, the truth that's set, what, what a wife needs, her husband is incapable of doing and giving without your power, God, without the Holy Spirit empowering you. And what a wife is called to be for her husband, it's just impossible for her to do without you. And what's called for a single person to be undivided, serve the kingdom of God, but to do that in a way that honors you, that keeps them from burning with lust. That's a difficult thing to do and impossible without you. And so, Lord, we need help. So we're coming right now. We're just returning to our knees. We're laying this before you. For everyone who's willing to do this, they can join me in praying, Lord, that we want to practice, put to practice these truths. Not beating ourselves up when we fail, but not making it an excuse saying, well, we're never going to get it, so we don't try. We will practice this, Lord, and we will practice this in your power. So I pray, Lord, first of all, forgive us for falling short. Forgive us for getting selfish. Forgive us for not husbands 
giving themselves up for their wives and for wives not submitting to their husbands, not mutually submitting and serving one another like you intended. Forgive us for that. And I agree with you. We confess that you're right in what you said, that we should do that, but we don't. So Lord, please forgive us for that. Take that sin from us. Wash us clean with the blood of Christ. Clear us of all gunk and unrighteousness. And Lord, I pray that you'd fill us with your spirit to give us the strength to go. And we might have to pray in an hour or now for more strength and more power or, or two hours from now or two minutes from now. But I pray now that you'd fill us with your spirit. They'd give us a strength, yet a gentleness, a love, but a fire. Fill us with your power and your presence to practice being a husband right, being a wife right, being single right. And Lord, we long to lift each other in prayer and encourage one another. So right now, I just ask that all the husbands if their wives are here, that they would go to their wives, Lord, and that they would just lift them up to you, and then that the wives would lift their husbands up to you in prayer. For those who are single, if there's someone around them or married without their spouse here, if they could pray for one another, they pray for themselves. I pray that your presence and your power would be here, and that there'd be great healing and steps in the right direction of being more like you. And I won't say amen because we're not done. We do this in your name.